So here's the deal. We've been spending a few weeks in this new series where we're asking, what if the church, right? What if the church? And it's just asking questions about the church, like the Big C Church of Jesus. You know, this whole thing that we try to do each week um, was Jesus' idea. Now, not just this thing of getting together to sing songs and to read the word and to love each other and to greet one another, but this whole idea of like following him every day of our lives in the world was Jesus' idea. Um, I'm always stunned by the reality that he came to earth the Son of God, and then he hung out for a while, 30 years, and then he walked up to some guys who were fishing and said, hey guys, you know, come follow me. That's the story of Jesus. And this today is a manifestation of his ministry. I'm sure it's not perfect, but we've been talking about, you know, what would the church look like if Jesus had his way? Like, not just Family Bible Church, but all the church. What would it look like if Jesus had his way? And so we've been kind of talking about some principles that maybe would change things for us in the world if we believed what Jesus said he wanted us to do. And so today we're going to ask this question, what if the church spoke truth? Right? I mean, what if the church spoke truth? I was in Edwardsville this week, and I was driving along. You guys already see those marquees out in front of churches? You know what I'm talking about? Huh? You can go out there and you can take the little key. You have to have the key, though, and you can unlock them and you can change the letters around. If you're a vandal, maybe you can figure out how to do that without the key. I don't know. And you can put a message. Well, the message I saw in Edwardsville said, spread the gospel, not the gossip. I thought, well, that's a funny thing to put out in front of your church. And who are you talking to? The church (laughs) or the community, Right? I don't think you're talking to the community when you say spread the gospel and not the gossip because the community, if they don't know the gospel, aren't spreading the gospel. You're talking to the church. Man, what's up with gossip? Some pastor in Edwardsville put it out in front of his church. I guess he's got a problem with gossip. I'm glad we don't. (laughs) Insert laugh track here. Come on now. Are you with me? What if the church spoke the truth? And I want to talk about that today. As we get into the Word, I'm going to ask we always do this. We pray. We believe that the Bible is inspired by God. I didn't used to believe this. I believe it's true, and He can help us understand it. And so today I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer as we ask Him for revelation. Father God, today we have come here to sing praises of You. We've come here to say words to Your glory, just to be nearer to You and to one another. And I pray that You would help us set aside this time now to listen to You. Each one of us here, that we would just quiet ourselves you know, and listen to what you would have us to say, uh, to hear. And Father, I don't claim that my words have wisdom. My words are useless if they're not inspired by you. And so I ask for your inspiration today, but I ask just that you would teach, because I don't even believe you need me to preach the gospel or to teach, because you can do that all by yourself. And so today, Father, I pray that you would help that to happen here. By your grace and mercy, may your spirit dwell with us, changing us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible. If you didn't bring one, we have them at the end of the rows there. You know, you should be able to grab one there. We want to get eyes on this together. So go ahead and flip to page 815 in our Bible. If you have your own, you'll have to find it. It's Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to read a few verses here, and then we're going to talk through a couple. Ephesians is a a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, right? It's a church he planted, much like family of the Bible in that way. And, and he started, he's writing this letter back uh, to the church in Ephesus. 
Listen to what the word says. It was he who gave some, I'm going to start again. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by every cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by everything, every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is a, like I said, a letter that was written to the church in Ephesus, and much like that sign out in front of the church in Ephesus, it was meant for us, right? When we hear the words today, it's meant for us. Instead, growing up, in Christ. Well, I want to kind of talk through a few things that have stood out to me, and we're going to kind of see what, you know, the Lord has to say. But I want to start at the end, and we're going to talk about two verses, 14 and 15. I'm going to start at the end. And the first kind of thing I want to talk to you about today is this. I want you to see in 15 it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. Now, this is something we say here at Family Bible Church a lot, that God is the author, the originator, and the beginning and ending of his church. He is the leader. He is the head. And here, that's exactly what Paul says, that Christ is the head. You know what that means? I don't know. For you, what does your head do for you? Do you know what your head does for you? Huh? It seems we can't function very well without it. Right? I mean, this has been a long kind of problem for mankind. Many times we try to function without our head, right? I mean, the church tries to function without the headship of Jesus, the headship of God. Well, our, our head does some things for us. It helps us to think, right? Or it thinks for us. It reasons for us. It makes decisions for us. I'll tell you something else. Our head does stuff that we don't even understand that it does. When was the last time you thought about breathing? You can't breathe without your head. When was the last time you thought about your heart working or having sensation? Matter of fact, I'm amazed because I didn't have to think about turning around. I just turn around, right? This is the role Jesus plays in his church. He is the head. He is sovereign over all of it, and he's leading his people. That's a fundamental conviction that we have. The first thing is that Christ is the head. Backing up a little bit, Look at what it says. So that we will in all things grow up into him. You know what that means? We got growing up to do, right? Sometimes we come to understand Jesus as our Savior, and we expect perfection from ourselves, and we think that nothing's ever going to be wrong again. The truth is that we are immature in Christ. Listen to me. 
we're immature in God's plan for our life. Right now, wherever you are in your following of Jesus, you are immature in your following. We have growing up to do. Paul said something similar where he said, exhorting one another toward good works, right? Why? Because we aren't doing them now. Encouraging each other. We need to grow up into Christ. Have you ever seen a very small human? I saw one this morning in the back. He had the most adorable little wispy hairdo thing going. He was walking around in church in socks. I don't know how they get away with that. Socks in church. None of you seem to. Some flip-flops maybe. Their heads are huge. Like peanuts, like Charlie Brown. I mean it. Did you see them? And when they walk, they're kind of crazy. Like they kind of, they look, especially when they first start, they look unstable, don't they? Got this big old head and this little body, and they just kind of stagger around. They're dangerous. That's us in Jesus. This perfect God, sovereign over us, unbelievable, unmanageable, unfathomable, and then us body people knowing we're saved, trying to grapple with that, and staggering around as we learn to walk. We're mere children in Christ. It's the same setup. We have to grow up. I hope if you, you hear that today, that we need to grow up in Jesus. We need to learn to grow into him. Well, here's where we're going to get back to what this question today. What if the church spoke truth? Because this is what Paul says. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him. Matter of fact, I mean, if you think about what I'm saying to you this morning, I'm saying if you believe we need to grow up into Christ, if you believe we aren't there, Paul says the way we do it is by speaking truth. That's how we grow up. That's how we learn and develop. That's how we're transformed every day in the gospel, speaking truth. Now, here's the thing about speaking truth, right? It's one of the hardest things to do in life. It's one of the hardest things to do in life. And you might be sitting here saying, hey, I tell everybody the truth. I just tell everybody the truth, right? Very few of us do that, right? We, we, we measure things. We, we gauge, th- I don't know what we do, right? We we have a tendency to be like Adam and Eve and hide in the bushes, you know? We, we, aren't, we aren't automatically drawn to being honest, to speaking truth. And we have a tendency to rather hide and, and live in fear. This is one of the hardest things to do. It seems especially the closer your relationships get. It's harder and harder sometimes to speak truth. How can I do it? I want to tell you, this one principle, this principle in your life, if you're a believer in Christ, can change everything for you to commit to speaking truth and growing up into him. I've seen this happen, and I'm amazed when it happens because it's a gift of God. It's a hard thing to do, but I've seen it happen. I'll tell you where we get this, another place, if you don't believe Paul when he writes to church in Ephesus about this, Jesus himself said the same thing right? And I'll share this with you. This is from the Gospel of Matthew. There we go. Yeah. And this is what Jesus taught his followers. 
This is in Matthew 5. Or, I'm sorry, Matthew 18. It says this. Jesus says, If your brother sins against you, go to him and show him his fault, just between the two of you. And if he listens to you, what does it say? You have won your brother. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you probably go, oh, that's a church discipline passage because then the next thing you do, listen, don't worry about the next thing you do because I don't hardly see anyone that does this, including me. I don't think we take step one of God's plan for resolution and restitution or, or uh, um, you know, restore, restored relationships. We, we're going to go, oh, yeah, that's step one, but then two and three is this, and that's going to all be too hard, and I'll just not do any of it, and I'll be dishonest instead. Jesus says this, if your brother sins against you, go to him. Straight up. Show him his fault. Boy, that's a fun thing to do, isn't it? You know, there's a lot of fear in this because you, you could be wrong. I'm usually wrong. I get myself all amped up. I'm going to go talk to somebody. I'm going to tell them what they did to me. I'm all, and I walk in there, and I'm like, and, I, and I, I tell you what, maybe you're not like me. It takes so much courage to walk through that door. You know, by that point, your ears are hot, and you're starting to sweat, and you got yourself, and you've already heard the response. And, and then you say, and then you realize that you've misunderstood something. You don't, you don't you're, you're wrong. Maybe that's just me. Go and show him his fault. By the way, I want to say something about the uh, brother, him, you know, he. This is not only guys. It means the Christian brotherhood that includes sisters. So you can read this the same way. If your sister sins against you, go and show her her fault just between the two of you. If she listens to you, you have won your sister over. Same deal. No difference. But you go and you directly say that just between the two of you. Mano y mano, let's have a conversation. This is Jesus' instructions for restoring broken relationships. How many of us actually do that? It's hard, hard to do so. I'll share something else with you. This comes from the book of James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. This, Bible, this um, book is found toward the back of the Bible, right? And this is what James says. This is maybe even crazier. I'm going to try to push. There we go. James writes, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Isn't that a striking passage? Wait a minute. I thought all my sins were between me and God. Why do I have to go tell some other person what my sins are? James says this, confess your sins to each other, don't miss this, and pray for each other so that you might, may be healed. How many people are stuck and they're sick? I mean, you can say physically sick, but emotionally sick, spiritually sick, relationally sick, because they won't go and confess sin to one another. I have done you wrong. I have done this person wrong. You know what sin means? Sin means, I tell you, our blast team here is doing an excellent job. Just the other day I had a child tell me again, when I said, what does sin mean? This child said to me, you know what sin means? It means that there's a bullseye and you have an arrow and you'll hit it every time. That's a sin. If you're not 
perfect. That's what this child told me. You have to be perfect to be without sin. I don't know how your archery is, but mine is not that good. Go and confess the ways that you're missing the mark to one another. What? And then pray for each other that you might be healed. Is it in that? It's in the Lord. We're being healed in Christ. We're growing up into him who is the head. We're being transformed into his image as his people, becoming the body of Christ. Do you speak the truth in love? I'll tell you something else that, that before we get to this last kind of point here. Some people have told me, well, I just tell it like it is. That's why nobody likes me. Because I just say what's on my mind. You know what I mean? You know anybody like that? They're proud of how honest they are. I'll tell them right to their face. I ain't scared of nobody. And they turn around and they seem like, oh, hey. <laughs> right? If he was here right now, you know what I'd say to him? Oh, hi. Fine. You know, that's not true, is it? But you know what? Some people use the truth like a weapon to injure people to poke holes in them and watch them bleed. And they run around with a badge. And they, look, look at how good I am. I have my truth. I tell them the truth. And some people run around and they're not injuring, but they're running defense. If I'm crass enough, if I'm harsh enough, if I'm violent enough in telling the truth, they're going to leave me alone. This is not God's plan for speaking truth. The intention we have in speaking truth is that it would restore relationship, that it would bind up the brokenhearted, that it would heal the people of God. This is the last bit we can't miss here in 15. Look at what it says. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love is how we grow up into Christ. I believe in our culture, we have a mis, all of us, me too, have a misunderstanding of what love is. And so I'm going to share with you, you can turn if you want, I'm going to share with you God's definition of love, especially in the church. And this comes from uh, 1 Corinthians 13, chapter, uh, chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. You've heard it before. You can turn if you want. You don't have to. This is how God defines love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love never fails. That's a radically different definition of love than maybe you or I have. So the question is, when Paul says, speak the truth in love so that you might in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, what he's saying is, speak the truth in these ways. You speak the truth in patience. You speak the truth with kindness. You speak the truth in a non-envious way, non-boastful way. 
Listen to this next. You don't speak the truth while being proud. How, how many times have you gone to someone to tell the truth and you've been broken hearted to tell it? How many times have you gone to a brother or a sister to call them out on some way they've injured you, but you've been broken hearted to have to bring this to them? Not self-righteous or boasting or proud. Speaking the truth, here it is, the, you know, the, the truth police, it's not rude. You, you, don't, you know, if, if, if you're claiming you speak the truth and being rude to people, you're not speaking truth in love and you're not growing up into Christ. And on and on you can go. No record of wrongs, right? I mean, forgetting the past, not delighting in evil, protecting, trusting, hoping. See, many of us don't, you know, I think the truth is that many of us don't dare to go and speak the truth because we don't fundamentally believe there's going to be a good outcome from it. We have no hope if we speak the truth that we'll have a good outcome. The reality is that when Paul, and I'm so convinced of this, you see, and it takes, it takes a courageous step to go and do it and, and speak truth and listen. But I'm convinced that when we go and we do this, God is faithful. He is. And it could change everything for us. Another way I've come to think of speaking the truth in love is this. Speaking the truth to someone in such a way that their best interest is your foremost concern. I want to say that again. Many times we want to go tell the truth because it's in our benefit to do so. I'm going to get this off my chest, right? But if that's your motivation, if it's motivated by your needs or your desires, it's probably mismotivated and you're going to screw up the 1 Corinthians 13 mechanism of love. But if you truly go to someone and you say, this is going to be better for you, and so I'm going to tell you. This is going to help you, so I'm going to tell you. It begins to look more like uh, what God's love is intended to look like. This is the call if you choose to accept it, to grow up into Jesus who is the head. And there's one word left in 14, I mean in 15, instead. Instead, Paul says to the church. There's a couple of things in that for me. The first is that the default mechanism is not growing up into Jesus. The default mechanism for the people of God are, is to be infants tossed to and for by the waves of the current situations, to be all over the place and unstable. This is the mechanism that most of us live in, and therefore we have a choice to make. Paul says, instead, choose differently. Instead, speak the truth in love. And then you have this promise. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves or blown here and there by every wind of teaching and deceitful and craftiness of men and scheming. But we will grow up into Christ who is the head. You know, the reality is that the church has been given the gift of the gospel to understand, to have a relationship with God, to know him intimately, to have his spirit dwelling in us. We're going to celebrate baptism today, the recognition of the promise of Christ in our life. And yet it's a gift given to us to give to others, sharing the gospel, right? Not the gossip. 
And the reality is that in speaking the truth in love, so many people have been turned off by the way the church does this. Not for your benefit, but it's for me. I'm going to tell you about Jesus because I have to. No, I'm going to tell you about Jesus because it's better for you. We're going to tell you about Jesus because if you know him, your life will be better. Your eternity will be better. And this is the gospel that we share, that he died once for all so that every sin can be forgiven. Hallelujah. If you, in a moment, want to pray with me, I'd love to pray with you. I want you to know that this is our primary calling, but to speak truth in love, how would the church be different if we did it? I hope you'll take the challenge with me and start with one another or with others in your life. Please join me in prayer. Uh, Father, today we thank you so much uh, for your word to us. It's life, it's bread, it feeds us. I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to listen to you. Oh, Father, that you live in us. It's so beyond recognition for us. It's so much bigger than we are. And yet we give you praise and glory because we sense that in you. The relationship, the intimacy, the knowledge, the truth, the gospel, the love, the forgiveness of our sins. If there is a brother or sister here today that does not know you as Savior, I pray that you would work in their hearts today, that it wouldn't be a, a, a church thing or this thing or that thing, but a you thing, that they would find themselves caught up in you, a story that's always unfolding. I pray, Father God, for those of us who have been cowards and not speaking the truth in love, that you would compel us to take the risk. We want to grow up. We want to be your strong body. Help us to do that, Father. Help us to become a people of truth. And may you be glorified as we attempt to do so in a manner that's graceful and a blessing to others. You are worthy of all praise, and we give it to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.